everyone, and welcome to episode 11 of Those Magic Sparks podcast, a show about anything and everything related to Walt Disney World. On today's show, Rachel and I explore some urban legends and false factoids related to Disney World, and even a shout out to a story from Disneyland. So stick around and settle in. We have some fact checking to do here on Those Magic Sparks. Back to those Magic Sparks podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Peg Zisman, and I am joined by my wife and co-host, Rachel Zisman. I am so excited for this episode. Oh, good. I'm glad. So before we jump into the aforementioned urban legend stories, I wanted to highlight a story that I'd stumbled across a while ago. My cousin-in-law? Is that a thing? Yeah. Right? Maybe that's what second cousins are? I, I don't really know. I don't I don't know. No, what wait, a second, second cousin cousins is. are like your cousin's kids. Uh, cousin <laughs> Sure. Yeah. So okay, yeah. So I have several cousins named Joe, and of course I do. And one of them married a wonderful person named Carrie, and I endearingly refer to her as my cousin in law. Anyway, mm-hmm. they have a son, and for his eighth birthday, they threw him an Epcot themed party. Uh-huh. It was the cutest thing ever. I know, like We're how cool is that? It. Oh, loved it. Yes. Yes. So I want to go over some of the finer details with you because this was really impressive. It was. It was (laughs) really impressive and cool. All of the kids at the party received park maps from actual Mm -hmm. Disney World, specifically from the Food and Wine Festival. I'm curious if they just lifted a whole bunch of those. They did. They must have. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I loved it, too, because actually, as I get into this, I'm going to tell you. Since the party was not only Epcot themed, it was Food and Wine Festival themed. It was clearly also targeted well towards the adults. I don't know if a bunch of adults also came, but they should have because yeah. this is amazing. It does seem like it would be unusual to have a children's birthday party themed around wine, but <laughs> <laughs> who am I to say? I mean, <laughs> okay, so we'll get to that. So yeah. she didn't actually mention any wine in the yeah, pictures that she posted yeah. online. But okay, so. It was just the festival <laughs> theme. Yes. So all the kids got actual maps of Epcot so from the Food and Wine Festival. They also all received World Showcase passports to mark off which of the country's pavilions at the party they had visited. I know. Um, So cute. Yes. Every country was represented with like a snack or dessert type food traditionally eaten in that country. Italy had pizzelles. I really liked that. Cute. Uh I love it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Carrie was quite clever, actually, I think, in representing also parts of future world because she had (laughs) the land and seas pavilions Mm -hmm. so the seas there was like a shrimp cocktail (laughs) Uh (laughs) uh-huh that's amazing we're eating the fish Mm -hmm. and then (laughs) in the land they had fruits and veggies trays oh yes and then here's my i was like oh my god this is extra clever you know club cool the place where you can sample all the different sodas from different parts of the world yes she had a club cool where the kids could all try oh, different sodas my gosh. and they were like of course like basic american sodas but right. still super cute and then the main dish of the day was a taco bar to represent the mexico pavilion and then the best pavilion to yes. tie the whole like we are at a disney park experience together 
all of the kids got to wear magic bands. Oh. I know. Oh, my gosh. I know. Like, sure, they probably can't do anything. But, like, <laughs> <laughs> but that's not the point. The point is that the kids are having a really good time and, like, getting yes. into a theme of, like, make-believe and... Also, it sounds like healthy, too. Right. I wish I could have gotten to this party. I know. And I hope that secretly there was some wine. Because I feel like there needs to be. Also, I didn't include this in my notes, but I did see that there was um, a cake that was themed like Remy because the Ratatouille mouse is oh, like... Oh, that's so cool. Yes. is Was kind of like the mascot of the Food and Wine Festival. And so his cake was Remy. Aww. And it was really well done. I did see that. Yeah, yeah. that's cute. There's a lot of fondant. Right? Made it up to make the Remy itself. It was like it would a three-dimensional. Yeah, it was really cool. <laughs> um, I don't know how else they would have made that. I know. I just got to say, like, short of actually going to Orlando to visit Epcot, this has to be one of the coolest Disney-themed party, like, that a kid could possibly, or even an adult, yeah. could, like, hope for. Well, I think it's interesting because a lot of people might go general Disney-themed. Yes. It might be Mickey Mouse-themed or... Frozen themed or something like that. but Where you get the plates and the napkins and maybe some party favors and that's kind of it. Yes. And it's more a decoration theme. And this yes. is a experience. really cool, It's an experience and it's a really cool theme to the activities that they did. And how clever that it wasn't Magic Kingdom. It was yes. Epcot. Which often, so many people who in my opinion are not actually that knowledgeable about Disney World but think they are because mm-hmm. they've gone are like, well, I don't think Epcot's actually for kids. <gasps> Lies. Epcot is totally a great park for kids. You do have to do a little bit of digging. If you're hung up on just going on rides and that's your only thing, there's still plenty of great rides. But in terms of the educational value and accessibility, I mean... The edutainment in Epcot is so on, on another level compared to any of the other parks, I think. If you're a family that in any way appreciates taking your kids to museums, that sort of thing, like, and you find some level of my kid can have a lot of fun learning Mm -hmm. and even there's plenty of stuff you can do that involves no learning like frozen ever after yeah i think all of those things are just so beautifully intertwined within the two parks of epcot and it's moving more i think in some ways away from edutainment but not entirely it still has a level of yeah you can add ips and still get something out of it educationally like I haven't, we haven't done Turtle Talk with Crush, but from what I've learned, there is a level of education that comes with that. And certainly the ride um, that Nemo and Friends had some level of like learning about the ocean afterwards. And then it dumps you into like an actual aquarium. Which is super cool. I know. And there's tons of learning to be done there. I felt so excited going Mm -hmm. there with you as adults. And I was like, you know, one day when we have kids, I can't wait to do this. Mm -hmm. We love it as adults. I know. Well, but so just tying it back to a birthday party. It's so cool. An edutaining birthday party. I love that. I I do too. So props to my cousin-in-law, Carrie, Mm -hmm. and uh, her family. Really, really well done. Crushed it on this super cool birthday. Yeah, right? Experience. All the points to whatever house you represent. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so cool. Okay. Now let's jump into those urban legends. I'm so excited. Yes. The first one that I wanted to talk about is the arguably most famous of all Disney urban legends, which is that Walt has been cryogenically <laughs> frozen. Uh-huh. <laughs> there are so many people who actually think that Walt's body upon his death was completely frozen in the hopes that it would not at all decay. And so that one day when science and technology had found a way to cure his ailments, he could be brought back. 
I'm not even sure that that actually exists. The technology I don't think exists to do that. No. Well, nowadays there is the technology to actually freeze your body. Really? Without it deteriorating or decaying. Wow. Right. But like there's not a lot of cures for the things that have killed people heretofore. So. Did that exist in the 1960s when he That's unclear to me. (laughs) I don't think so. The things that I was reading and I read several articles said that now there is this technology, but at the time there was not. Mm. Um. So, or implied that at the time there was not. That would make sense. Um, yes. And further, one of the other, like, variations on the urban legend is that his body is locked away in the Utilidors <laughs> underneath the Magic Kingdom. I want that to be real. If for some reason someone does not know what the Utilidors are, what uh, it's the... All of Magic Kingdom is actually on, like, the second story, (laughs) and the first story is kind of like a giant basement area that the staff and cast members there use to get across the park quickly without being seen in costume. It's a way for them to move trash quickly and kind of out of sight, so you're not just seeing a person pushing around a really ugly cart. (laughs) Part of (laughs) garbage. Garbage. Um, And so there's... And we've been down there as part of a tour, and they're saying... That his body's down there. Down there somewhere. It's absolutely not. I I don't think so. My first thought is her, I mean, Florida is an area where there are a lot of hurricanes and therefore potential power outages. And so I feel like at least in Florida, it wouldn't be the place to store. I hadn't even thought of that. A giant (laughs) human body refrigerator. You know where we're freezer. Where? The Midwest. The Midwest. We just have no (laughs) actual problems. Yes. And, you know, he was born in the Midwest and raised-ish in, in the Midwest, so maybe that would be his thing. Marceline. So I want to talk a little bit about what actually happened to him and where this urban legend originated from. Didn't he just die of a regular cause? No, he did, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. No, but still the urban legend was that oh, upon his death, okay. he wanted to be frozen. All right, all right. No, okay. he didn't just so volunteer his tribute. Tell me no. about it. So claims, and I got this actually from Snopes.com, uh, quote, Claims about Disney's interest, uh, specifically in being cryogenically frozen, come primarily from two of the more recent Disney biographies, Robert Mosley's 1986, so recent in the grand scheme of things, but I'd say still pretty old. Anyway, Robert Mosley's 1986 effort, uh, Disney World, and Mark Elliott's 1993 entry, Walt Disney, Hollywood's Dark Prince. Both books have been... (laughs) Dark Prince, you say? Indeed. (laughs) Uh, both books have been largely discredited for containing numerous <laughs> factual errors oh, okay. and undocumented assertions, rendering them rather untrustworthy as sources of reliable background <laughs> material. Oh, good to know. Okay. So that's where they came from. And that's where the whole rumor came from? or And it's not, and I assume most people who know this rumor at no point even heard of these books. It's more a matter of when you read something super interesting, you immediately want to tell people. Right. I think it's just become part of kind of Disney lore at this point, too. Mm-hmm. And then the internet exists. happened, so everyone yes. just likes to... And there's like no fact-checking happening there at all. Right. Sure. That's why I rely so heavily on Snopes. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> interesting. Uh-huh. And so then... I dig a little bit deeper into Snopes to figure out why this actually is not true. Because what is true is that uh, Walt's body is cremated. And here are the details. Okay. Walt Disney publicly stated himself 10 years prior to his death that he wished not to have a funeral, which explains why he didn't have a public funeral. 
Okay. Disney family members have confirmed that Walt's wish was to be cre- uh, cremated. Disney's death certificate shows that he was cremated two days after his death. The name, license number, and signature of the embalmer appearing on the death certificate are those of a real embalmer who was employed at the Forest Lawn Mortuary at the time. So this is all plausible. It all checks out at this point. Yep. Sure. And a marked burial plot for Walt Disney and other family members can be found at the Forest Lawn Memorial Park in Glendale, the logical resting grounds for someone whose cremation was handled by Forest Lawn's mortuary. And court papers indicate that the Disney estate paid $40,000 to Forest Lawn for internment property. Mm-hmm. So, What I would say is that if you were hoping to fake somebody's cremation... And this actually, is a checklist. Have the, this would be a great checklist. <laughs> they covered all their bases. Somebody was cremated. <laughs> is what I'm saying. You would actually have to. I'm going to go on conspiracy theory on this. What I'm saying is, if you were going to fake a cremation, besides breaking a ton of laws, <laughs> <laughs> but this would be maybe he had an like an identical twin. That's how he was so productive. For context, we recently watched a simple paper, <laughs> and I think this Maybe. is where Rachel's getting oh, her ideas. Or it could have just been anyone who was cremated. Uh huh. Any white guy could have been cremated, and yeah, no. Well, Disney was. Well, cremated. what did he? Did he die of a heart attack? Is that what it was? Uh, no. Uh, lung problems and cancer related to his smoking habit. Ah, well, I wasn't that far off then. I mean, smoking related death. Yes. Yeah. Smoking related death. Right. So, in conclusion, Walt Disney is not frozen. In fact, he is ashes. Wait, did they have... Okay, follow up. Do you have documentation of Walt Disney seeking treatment for lung cancer? Yes, that's common knowledge. Okay, fine. It's all over a bunch of newspapers. What I'm saying is, it could have happened. My real conspiracy <laughs> theory, is there any chance that part of Walt Disney's family took some of his ashes and sprinkled them amongst the haunted mansion? Because <gasps> that's a common practice. See, I'm surprised that... His ashes weren't sprinkled somewhere more meaningful than just a regular cemetery. Then. We don't know that they weren't. That's probably That would be true. very private. Right. That's probably right. true. And actually, speaking of people sprinkling ashes in the Haunted Mansion, that does lead us uh. <laughs> to kind of a category Gross. for our second urban legend. It's yeah. just kind of the Haunted Mansion in general. Mm-hmm. The biggest of which being that, well, first of all, people really do often sprinkle the ashes of... Their loved ones in the haunted mansions. That feels so disrespectful to your loved one. It's also disrespectful to the people who right. you can't have that many but human remains no. floating around your head. It's that not. That seems like a biohazard. It is. <laughs> um, but it seems like okay. So if you're going to sprinkle somebody's ashes in some place beautiful and it's going to stay there forever, like in a lake or whatever, that's I love that. If you're going to sprinkle it in an indoor space where some teenagers just going to have to come and sweep it up. What an un... I think a lot of people don't think far enough to realize mm. that it's going to get swept up. It is illegal to do that. Uh, Disney, is it illegal? It is. And yeah. Disney does look for it when you walk into the parks and go into security. And they look for ashes. And um, they do regularly clean out different attractions like the Haunted Mansion to make sure that there are not lingering mm. human remains because it is a biohazard. So don't do it. Although, for the record, if at one point I had been sprinkled in there and it got to stay and it was just me and not a bunch of other, or even if it was a bunch of other people and it didn't hurt anyone, I wouldn't be mad, but it's illegal, so don't do it. 
Uh, right. Don't do it. Gotcha. I've got you on record saying that it won't happen. <laughs> but that's not our urban mm-hmm. legend. Sure. Okay. Okay. Yes. So this urban legend that I am going to talk about comes from Disneyland, which mm-hmm. we don't usually talk about. But in this case, because Disney World has a haunted mansion based on the Disneyland attraction, I'm going to let it slide. Okay. So the claim was that when the Haunted Mansion first opened in the 1960s, a guest was so frightened by the attraction that he had a heart attack, and that further, as a result of this, the ride was closed and completely redone, with all of the scary parts being replaced with much tamer, more family-friendly versions. Wow. Must have been pretty scary. That's the legend. (laughs) I think the reason that it came about is because the exterior of the Haunted Mansion was completed in 1963, but the ride itself did not open to park guests until 1969. Ah, I could see that. Yes. And so people started making up crazy stories about why that was the case. And so even though, you know, modern day attraction projects sometimes feel like they take just as long to complete. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at you, all of Pandora. Disney, <laughs> Disney Imagineers were actually a lot faster at building attractions back then. The real reason that the ride was so delayed in its construction were several fold. Firstly, the 1964 World's Fair led to quite a few Disney Imagineers redirecting their energy and focus to projects for the fair in particular. And second, Walt died. In mm-hmm. 1966, which kind of ground just about everything at the Disney company to a halt for a bit as they looked for direction and what to do now. Um, and then third, the Imagineers tasked with designing the Haunted Mansion had quite a few disagreements on what direction the attraction should take. Some wanted it to be really spooky and scary, and others really wanted it to be more playful and have more gags. And the storyline of the attraction itself was even something that was debated at length. I could go on and on about the problems with the Haunted yeah, Mansion right. prior to it existing. And today's modern day version of the Haunted Mansion is kind of like a weird combination of all of it. Yeah. But they took a while to get there. So too many cooks in the kitchen, so to speak. And all of those factors combined. And so in that time, park guests and fans were with their own crazy conspiracy theories that were really far from the truth. What I'm going to say is... If somebody had really died in the Haunted Mansion, but they already had a ton of sunken costs into it, and so they didn't want to get rid of the ride, those would all be great explanations that would not (laughs) include somebody having died on the ride. Plot twist, Walt Disney actually died. (gasps) Oh my god, he was scared to death! He was scared to death. Oh my god. Yeah. No. (laughs) I will say, the Haunted Mansion is sort of its own thing, and it doesn't really have the same connection to IPs or even... It's got a lot more storyline than it's a lot an of other stories or than a lot of other rides. And so, you know, because if you think about the Seven Dwarfs Mind Train, there's not a ton of storyline that happens. It's just characters are there, you know. And so creating a whole different narrative and everything that goes along with it, I could imagine taking so much longer than some of the other things that they had done. And so maybe people were surprised by how long the project took. And Mm -hmm. it seems like a logical explanation. And when you look at, you go from the ballroom scene to the graveyard scene, and it feels like a totally different ride in some ways. And so you can definitely see the reflection. Or even going from 
like the first half of the ride is mm-hmm. designed to be more eerie and spooky and unsettling. Mm-hmm. And then after you go through the seance, that ballroom scene when you start to see the materializing mm-hmm. spirits is is when the ride shifts more to its gag character-based storylines. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately the ride ended up taking on just about everything that people kind of wanted. I mean, even the Museum of the Weird Designs that yeah. came about early on in the design stages got used in things like the wallpaper, which is so iconic now. And just the level of whether they were going to go with original characters to create the storyline or whether they were going to use like Ichabod Crane or the Headless Horseman yeah. as like part of the storyline. They were going in so many different directions at the beginning. There was a, a character that was like a, a sailor who or a sea captain who killed his wife. And we see kind of an homage to a lot of those characters they thought about yeah. focusing on in different characters throughout the story. They make these little appearances either in portraits within the ride or even in the new queue that they built in the like the early 2000s. Or was it the more recent 2000s? No, it was like the it was the 2010s. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so in the new queue that they built, they have a bunch of homages to those original storyline characters too. So that's why there's such a long gap. Interesting. I have two thoughts. First is, maybe they really did need all that time to develop the right storyline and make it just a good storyline. Because I think of, if we look at Stitch's Great Escape, which they slapped together in, I don't know, six weeks or something. Uh, they just, like, tried to redo they extra terrestrial. But they made a new storyline that had nothing to do with the movie. And it actually yeah. was a storyline. It ended up being terrible. And it so was. they really need, maybe maybe they did need all 15 years to make it happen. The second thought I have is... I don't know where you got 15 years from. It was... Whatever it is. How long was it? <laughs> uh, from the time that they started building the the facade to the time that the ride opened was 62 to 69, so it was seven years. Oh. So I was just doubling it. That's fine. Um, so seven <laughs> years. Okay. So then my other thought is, it reminds me of how they built the Transcontinental Railroad, which is just one company started on the west side and one company started on the east side. And they were like, okay, we'll just meet in the middle somewhere. And that's what makes me think of this is that there's one set of t- one team of Imagineers on one side and, yeah. and there's another on the other side. And they're just like, okay, well, we'll see you at this point in the ride. And that's essentially we'll what happened. We'll just smash them together at the <laughs> seance scene. And yeah. The yeah. attractions as they currently stand have a very loose storyline like there is something to it sure um and the implication is actually that we all become the 1000th ghost and the final scene where we get thrown into the graveyard but otherwise it's really just kind of a hodgepodge of you're taking a tour through the entire haunted Mm -hmm. what was originally supposed to be a retirement home and i guess they do kind of still include that with the ghost host's initial commentary yeah there's room for a thousand. There's room for just one more. They built this to be exactly a thousand person house. No bunking up. <laughs> <laughs> Related to the Haunted Mansion, a common and absolutely false fun fact that many park guests like to share with one another is the claim that Walt's image makes an appearance on the ride. On the Haunted Mansion ride in, you know, the cemetery scene, mm-hmm. you see a, a quintet of singing busts or singing heads. Mm-hmm. The second bust from the left is, you know, like that beheaded one that mm-hmm. it looks like it's broken. The and... falling one, sort of. Yeah. Exactly. A lot of people think that that bust looks like Walt Disney, so they assume that it is him. And in fairness, 
It does look like him a little bit, but... A smidge. And Disney, I will say, like, in fairness, Disney is kind of known as a company to hide quite a few hidden Mickeys and Easter eggs throughout its parks, its movies, everything. It pays a lot of homage to itself. So that would be in character with what Disney as a company often does within its own designs. Mm -hmm. However. I would agree. Yeah. However... That given, is not well, given the timeline. That seems really disrespectful for them to do. Like they were, they recorded. He died him. while they were making this, and they're like, "Yeah, throw him in there," which makes it plausible that it could have been him if he had wanted to do it. But Maybe. it's not him, and they would have also had to have stuck with that idea the whole time. And I don't know that the singing, beheaded ghost came, prior to his death, mm-hmm. but. The person <laughs> that they're referring to that they think looks like Walt mm-hmm. is Thurl Ravenscroft. And he's the guy that does the voice of Tony the Tiger. What a name, though. I know, right? Thurl Ravenscroft. Thurl Ravenscroft. What a... Sounds like a, like a literary character. It does. Thurl <laughs> Ravenscroft is the voice of Tony the Tiger. And he's also the dude that sings, You're a mean one, <gasps> Mr. Grinch. That. Yeah, he just has a really deep voice. So that really is his voice singing the deep part, and that really is his face. No part of it is Walt. <laughs> so, fun fact. And then the last, I guess, I don't know if it's an urban legend. It's more of like what is a fun fact and is often mistold, and I am guilty of having mistold it. <gasps> I know. Not recently. So you're correcting this for everyone else. Oh, wait, so not I recently. It's not, no, I've I was like, this am I going to learn something new? That no, but the first time you and I did this attraction together, I gave you the wrong fun fact. <gasps> right. Oh my okay. God, I'm excited now. Yes. Is it about, wait, let me guess. Is it about Pirates of the Caribbean? No, it's about the stretching room. Oh, okay. The stretching room. something totally different. Okay. At the part of the stretching room where, like, you see the portraits literally stretching up and you reveal that, like, the girl in the pink dress is actually, you know, like, standing like above, above a crocodile yeah. and stuff. That scene, the ghost host says something like, is this room actually stretching? Ha, ha, ha. Or is it just your imagination? Um, I used to think it's an elevator. And that's because it is an elevator, but only at Disneyland. At Disneyland, at the part where the room starts stretching, the guests are going down. Mm -hmm. And the entire thing is an elevator because they need to get you to the showroom that leads into the rest of the attraction. At Disney World, they didn't need to lower you. And so the ceiling is actually stretching upward and the guests are remaining perfectly at the exact same level. I feel like that would make it more plausible because I think you would, in Disneyland, then you would get the sensation of lowering, similar to how you get on any other elevator. Whereas at Disney World, you wouldn't feel that. It would just be stretching above you. Right. And you that explains why we don't feel any movement at Disney World. It's because you're not moving. I don't know if Disneylanders uh-huh. can feel it moving. I know I've gone on that attraction at Disneyland at least once, but I don't remember it. So hmm. I can't really speak to it. You probably weren't analyzing it that much. No, I was just terrified. Sure, yeah. (laughs) My previous fear. Yeah, you're right. Like, I couldn't notice the elevator over my terrified sobs. So, (laughs) Mm. yes. So, just to clarify for everyone who might be confused Disneyland, California, yes, you're on an elevator, you're going down. Disney World, which is in Florida, you are not moving. It's just raising. The ceiling is going up. Fascinating. There you go. Last but not least, my favorite urban legend that we are going to cover is River Country was closed because of a brain-eating amoeba. (gasps) I could believe this. Yes. Well, 
It sounds plausible. It's so swampy and gross in Florida. I could imagine that. Part of it is 100% true, and part of it's 100% false. Wow. The part that's true is that in 1980, an 11-year-old boy from New York died of a brain-eating amoeba after vacationing at Disney World and swimming at River Country. That is true. The amoeba is one that's found in Florida freshwater lakes. And in this boy's case, the amoeba entered through his nose and attacked his nervous system and brain, according to a doctor's report in the Lakeland Ledger newspaper. That's so sad. From 1980. Yes, that's that's true. Somebody really did, actually, this boy really did get a brain-eating amoeba from River Country at Disney World, died. Okay. Yep. Was it from River Country? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's no catch there. Oh. It really is as horrifying as it sounds. That's horrible. Yes. Wait, didn't they have chlorine or anything in the water? That doesn't make sense. I'll get to that. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wait, was chlorine not invented yet? I don't know. For pools? I don't know. <laughs> Here are the important things mm-hmm. to consider. Actually, maybe something you didn't know is that River Country wasn't essentially a pool so much as it was, it was using water from, from Bay Lake. Ew. Yeah, but we'll get to what it did to tr- Disney treated the water. Okay. okay. So since 1962, there have been only 138 known cases of this particular amoeba affecting a human, making it fairly rare in the grand scheme of things. Super rare. Right. It's actually apparently far more common that someone uh, could have drowned at River Country than to have contracted this amoeba. Oh, yeah. That makes way more sense. Mm -hmm. Or even... Like, slip and fall sort of situation. Totally. Way more likely than even this. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So even though this death is tragic and super legit, it is not the reason that River Country closed. In fact, the death occurred over 20 years before River Country closed, never to reopen. Hmm. I feel like it's at this point where I should actually clarify what River Country is, because there could be quite a few Disney fans who don't know. River Country... Know. Yeah was a third water park at Disney World. When was it built? That's a really great question. (laughs) I'm not entirely sure. Was it, well, was it one of, was it like, there were two others and then this is the third one that joined the family? Or was it the first No, it was the original. And actually, based on the fact that Disney World opened in 72 and this brain-eating amoeba thing happened in 1980, it opened shortly after, I think, Disney World itself came to be. It was it was kind of an extension of wilderness, uh, the campground area and like okay. the hotel, and it was the original water park at Disney World. It, it it filtered in actual water from Bay Lake, and then after it, Disney created Blizzard Beach and Typhoon Lagoon, and yeah. both of those do not use Bay Lake water. They use the same kind of water you get at a traditional theme park. Right. Um, treated, kind of like tap water or whatever yeah. that's been treated. Sure. Yes. Okay. So now we know what River Country is. River Country also closed in 2001 hmm. to never open again. So that's like 21 years later. So not... Yeah. So that's quite a long time after this kid died. So that's important to keep in mind. Disney reported that it had a thorough water treatment program for the water that River Country used. So even though River Country used Bay Lake water, the water was filtered via a barrier that went between Bay Lake and River Country, and then that water went through treatment before it reached guests in the water park. So it wasn't 
totally all natural water, but it really was going for a, this is as wildernessy as we can give you in an amusement park sort of vibe. Yeah. And I'm sure there's standards that they have to meet and stuff like that. that I would hope so. Although yeah. back then, <gasps> who knows? Who knows what There's happened back wild then? Wild West of public safety, apparently. <laughs> no seatbelts. Yeah, no seatbelts, yeah. nothing like that. Yeah, interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you want to know what actually caused it to shut down? Probably just that it wasn't solvent anymore. And it was old? Oh. Not because it was old. Oh, okay. Think about what year it closed. 2001. Specifically, it closed in September of 2001. September 11th? Mm-hmm. So Why what, would that cause it to close down, though? That's confusing. I will explain. So what actually caused River Country to shut down was the drop in American tourism that occurred after the attacks on September 11th. River Country closed before the 9-11 attacks in early September for its regular seasonal schedule. Oh. So it was fall. It closed. Right. That makes sense. Okay. But then... After the 9-11 attacks, staffing it back up again in the spring of 2002 became one of the things that Disney put on hold as it tried to cut costs after a dramatic drop in attendance to Disney theme parks. Park hours were limited, certain restaurants and attractions ceased operation, Port Orleans French Quarter Resort closed completely, and the construction that had been ongoing at Pop Century also stopped. This was the time when Pop Century was being built, and that's where you and I often stay, Mm -hmm. which, as you would know, ultimately ended up leading to the construction of Art of Animation on the other side of Hourglass Lake. And that's why... The decades go from only the 1950s to the 1990s. They had originally planned to build the aughts and the teens and all of those moving forward, but they couldn't because they didn't have the funds to do it after the 9-11 attack. So they stopped building Pop Century. And then when it came time that they had enough money to continue building, they just decided to change the theming of that other side of Hourglass Lake and made it art of animation. Oh. And that's what we have now. Interesting. I guess that does make sense that they, if they were considering what things should be cut, probably the oldest, I have to assume that the oldest water park is probably the one that gets the least foot traffic or people are probably as invested in going to. It also had the smallest capacity of the three. Yes. So it's probably more cost effective to open a larger park because you don't have to staff it with quite, you know. It wouldn't be a duplicate set of staff in the same way. It's better bang for your buck. If you're going to pay staff members, make sure it's to support a large number of cast members. Or excuse me, of guests. Because you would need more lifeguards and people working concession stands Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But you would need fewer managers and people working at the ticket booths and stuff like that Mm -hmm. than doubling it. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So originally the goal Disney had was to open River Country after a certain amount of time. Like they, sure. they wanted the close it wasn't to be a temporary closing that they were anticipating. Yes. Sure. They had actually reached out to lifeguards and said, you know, our goal is to open this and have it fully functioning again in summer of 2003. Okay. So that wouldn't have been too long of a close. The problem is guest demand never quite justified Disney opening that third water park. So it did continue to operate blizzard beach and typhoon lagoon, but it didn't bother going back to river country. And so as summer of twenty or of 2003 came and went, the abandoned river country really did begin to deteriorate, deteriorate to the point of no longer being worth the renovation prices to reopen it. Because mm. the longer they kept it closed, the more it actually started falling apart. And it was already old. And so now you're looking at, is this even worth fixing? And Disney decided, no. It isn't. And so it laid. 
Like, Interesting. abandoned in plain sight. Creepy. Uh-huh. A lot of, um, what do they call them? Urban explorers. People who like to go to kind of oh. abandoned places would Creepy. frequently go sure. to river country just to, like, explore it and check it out and watch it rot in plain sight. I would weirdly want to go do that. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be into it. Well, mm-hmm. and it added a level of, like, excitement because you thought they were brain-eating amoebas and you're like, right. I'm not going to go. Because it could be dangerous. Well, that's not why Disney closed no. it. And the so it closed for a super reasonable reason that it was mm-hmm. like older and they had to cut costs. And so that was the one that went. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And then this story basically ends with uh, last year. They, oh. Disney finally tore down the remains of the old water park and has begun building something new. Oh. And you don't know this, so I'm going to tell you right <gasps> yeah, now. what is it? In October of this past year, Disney announced that they would be building a nature-inspired hotel on the site called Reflections, a Disney lakeside lodge. Ooh. <laughs> I'm into it. And it's scheduled to open in 2022, which is the same year as Disney World's 50th anniversary. Aw. I like that. Yes. Mm. Yes. So they're keeping it still in that spirit of a connection to nature. And Mm -hmm. it's really close to the wilderness, so that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But it's going to be real fancy. Oh, is it? Oh, so we'll never stay there. (laughs) (laughs) If we dream big enough. I know, right? (laughs) Yeah. Cool. Man, I feel like we've only just barely scratched the surface in all of the stories that we could cover related to Disney's urban legends. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot more that I want to learn about these. Yeah, right? I did a ton of research and note-taking for this episode, and every story led me to more and more. Like, I was thinking, maybe if people like this episode, we'll do more of them, and this can just be like a part one of Disney Urban Legends. Yeah, I love that. Ooh, good. I wonder if other people have their own urban legends that they know that we could dive into, too. That would be cool. I'm sure there are people who have urban legends that they were thinking about related to Disney World. I also really want to do like a ghost story episode. Yes. Yeah, because yes. I stumble across quite a few of them, and a lot of them are pretty short, so I feel like you can hit like quite a few. Yeah. But there's some good spooky ones out there. We can make this a series right along with nightmare situations that have happened at Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> the original uh, urban legends or horror, the horror original stories. horror stories. <laughs> Related to a lot of bodily fluids. Yeah, right? Mm -hmm. Classic. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So for now, what do you say we wrap this up? Yes. (laughs) Cool. So we want to thank all of our listeners for your enthusiasm, topic suggestions, and support. We love hearing from you. If you enjoyed today's show, please remember to subscribe as well as rate and review us. We can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and about a dozen other podcast platforms. And you can, of course, find us now and contact us on Instagram at Magic Sparks Podcast. This has been Peg and Rachel Zisman for Those Magic Sparks Podcast. Don't forget, kindness is cool. So make good choices and have a magical day, everybody. Bye. Bye.